Hello and welcome to episode 112 of the In Squash podcast. I uh, hope all of you are enjoying your squash. I uh, know I am, and I'm also enjoying the Men's World Open. Just finished watching uh, Abdullah Al-Tamimi win his second round match uh, against uh, Mathieu Castanier. And uh, he also, uh, I also watched him beat uh, Gregoire Marsh in the first round. Uh, there's been some other great matches as well uh, up until now, even though it's uh, early doors in the event. So, uh, yes, I hope you guys are enjoying that too. Uh, Tamimi uh, really rising to the occasion today against uh, Castanier. Uh, Mathieu was getting everything back and playing the, his usual brand of intelligent, uh, straightforward squash, getting everything, keeping the ball tight, slowing it down, mixing it up. But uh, Tamimi had uh, had a lot more to offer. He had uh, some great offensive shots. He's speedy around the court, had a nice hold, and uh, fooled uh, Mathieu uh, several times uh, throughout the match. So uh, congrats to him and Qatar. I know he's got uh, Jeff Hunt in his corner along with the uh, Rod Martin, who's been coaching him over the years, and I think I heard uh, Joey uh, mention that uh, Stuart Boswell's been working with uh, with Tamimi for a couple of years now. So uh, he's uh, hopefully uh, already, I guess, put Qatar on the map, but maybe uh, make a deep run here, uh, a la maybe uh, Miguel Rodriguez at the British Open, and uh, we'll see. Uh, wow, that that would take it uh, squash in this region, uh, the Middle East. Uh, even to, to greater heights, uh, it's sort of uh, budding right now, particularly uh, in Qatar. There aren't many, uh, you know, there's only one or two guys uh, playing on the Pro Tour in the UAE, but uh, Kuwait has a couple. Uh, Saudi has uh, sort of a, a junior program that's in its infancy that uh, Ziad al-Turkey uh, and I talked about a few uh, episodes back. But uh, yes, congrats to uh, Abdullah Al-Tamimi. Now today on episode 112, we have the women's uh, world number eight. She's also 2010 world junior champion and winner of several gold medals. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find uh, any player on tour with uh, a resume as, as impressive uh, uh, as this one. Uh, Amanda Sobey's... Uh, uh, on the podcast today, and I really, really enjoyed uh, this chat. She, she uh, has had a, a great career, and she's still quite young. Uh, she, you know, as I mentioned, world junior champion, played for Harvard, won uh, the individual title all four years that she was there, and also uh, the team uh, title with the with the ladies as well. And uh, she's had a, a, an illustrious squash career up until now. She's reached the, the highest uh, ever ranking of an American player on, men, on the men's and women's circuit. And she's just, uh, she keeps on getting better. Uh, she's had to overcome quite a bit in, in her uh, young age as well, uh, in terms of uh, injury. Uh, she, and we talk a, a fair bit about that and how uh, at a young age having to do that has made, uh, sort of given her the wherewithal to uh, overcome injuries now that uh, you know, as a squash player, they, they tend to come up quite a bit, and she's uh, managed to get through a few of them, and, and uh, even one uh, an adductor uh, injury that she's uh, dealing with right now. But we talk a bit about that. We talk about, uh, you know, what it meant to her to win the World Junior uh, title and how that sort of uh, paved the way to her pro career. Uh, we also talk with, interestingly, she uh, recently sang the national anthem at the uh, NBA's uh, New Brooklyn Nets uh, basketball game. That was quite recent. And um, also she's done that before. She, uh, she and her friend um, Hope Prokop uh, have, uh, I guess they've got a couple of very good sets of pipes. And they're, uh, this, this is something that they, they enjoy doing, although uh, Amanda, she explains, uh, it's pretty nerve-wracking, and she taps into her squash uh, sort of breathing techniques in order to calm herself down. But we talk qu quite a bit about that. Lots of uh, really good stuff on, on the podcast with Amanda. It was really a, a pleasure talking to her. I know you'll enjoy this uh, as well. Amanda Sobey, episode 112. Well, uh, we're, I think we're here uh, with episode uh, 112, and today we have the uh, number eight. A player in the world, I believe, four-time U.S. national champion. I could it could be five, uh, four-time collegiate individual champion and team champion. I think three times, two or three times. 2017 World Junior champion 
and uh, uh no no he, not 2017 it's uh 20 2010 oh sorry 2010 what am i talking about 2017 yeah. i'll get my yeah. uh, my dates I'm, I'm uh, yeah I'm 2017 something else happened in 2017 we'll get to that later and then also yeah. the best twitter game uh on tour in my estimation amanda thank so, you amanda uh, great to have you on the podcast thank you so much for having me appreciate it yeah, now you've had an eventful, uh, before we get into the squash, you've had a, an incredible uh, a week uh, this week. I noticed that uh, uh, outside of squash, you have, uh, you know, quite quite the vocal uh, skills there. You, you sang the national anthem at the Brooklyn Nets uh, NBA game, a, a team that, that's sort of looking like a, a, one of the contenders, like what, I think they have Kyrie Irving or someone playing for them now. So, uh, I mean... And judging by some of the things I read, it's not the first time you've done this. So, um, first of all, how, how did that all come about? And uh, I know I, I have a hard enough time doing it uh, in the karaoke room with my friends, not, let alone in front of uh, tens of thousands of people. <laughs> yeah, I, it definitely was a eventful weekend. Um, I've been singing pretty much all my life since probably the third grade. and. It started in um, 2011 when I was a freshman coming into Harvard. Um, there was a squash event. John Nimick was hosting a squash event in Symphony Hall um, for the men. And he asked Hope Prokop to sing the national anthem. And Hope is a former Harvard alum and a big squash player and she we we knew each other and she found out recently that i sang and she was like we need to get amanda to sing as well so she asked me and i said yes and so that kind of started in 2011 and then the next year they had the symphony hall showdown again sang it again and then it was the tournament of champions we sang um in the finals um before the finals i think a couple years um then we had a connection to sing at the bruins game oh um, yeah uh, that must have been fun years ago are you, yeah, are you a hockey fan our... more of a hockey fan or or, oh, yeah. or yeah uh, well i i love all i love all sports and being in boston i'm just i'm a big boston sports fan yeah, yeah so yeah. That was kind of the our first sporting uh, non-squash sporting event um, that we did, and it was really, really, it was awesome. Very, very nerve-wracking, I must say, um, but just <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of fun to do it. And then the summer, we had another connection. We were able to sing "God Bless America" in the seventh-inning stretch at the Red Sox game. Oh, jeez. Wow. Um, yeah. So you know, wherever we can kind of get that connection. Um, we just take the chance and we're like, yeah, um, that's hope is mainly the, the person who finds the connections and pushes to get, get us in these gigs. And she's just like, tell me a date that you <laughs> they're, can, uh, they're, sing. they're becoming and, so common. They're gigs now. Are they? <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then haven't done anything for a few years. And she, the next one, she was like, I think we can get the Bruins cause we had a, a squash connection there. And, so we wanted to do it last year or this year in the springtime, but my schedule was just so busy that wasn't able to do it. And so over the summer, she texted me. She was like, look at the schedule. Tell me a day that you could definitely do it. And so I looked and I was like, oh, I could do Monday, November 4th, because I know I'll be flying back from Egypt beforehand and I'll fly into New York. So that's fine. So lo and behold, we were at the sang at the Nets game on Monday night, and it was thrilling and extremely nerve wracking. But it was just an unbelievable experience to kind of be able to do um, something like that on such a grand stage. That's awesome. Yeah, was Stephen A. Smith there? Uh, no, unfortunately not. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got to watch the players. So got to watch Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan um, oh, wow, warming yeah. up like right yeah. on the floor and we're there on the floor as well um and like once you're up close right next to these guys like you then realize how massive they all are like oh, they yeah. are yeah. huge yeah um yeah so it was great and you know did they win everybody the that we saw 
the Nets did win. I unfortunately yeah, yeah. didn't even like watch any of it, to be honest. Um, oh, no. We had a nice little crew um, watching us and cheering from us from um, one of the suites that we were able to get. So it was, it was, a, it was a great experience. Um, but, you know, I definitely am way more nervous singing in public than I am ever like playing squash. <laughs> I would imagine, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's just not in front of, you know, a few hundred that show up for for squash, or maybe a thousand that show up for squash. That's like fifteen thousand people. That that takes guts. Yeah. So that that's probably going to yeah. help you uh, stay calm playing squash. I would imagine. It you does. Can overcome funny, that, jeez. Yeah, when I was um, preparing to get ready to sing, um, I was going through kind of the same like mental rituals I do what, that I would prepare for a, a squash match. So, you know, I was like deep breathing. I was visualizing. I was like telling myself like performance statements and, uh, and like to stay confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was trying to stay in the moment and stay present and just help with the nerves and everything. And I was like, this is exactly what I do with squash. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would imagine, I mean, you're, you're right up there right now. I mean, you're, you're, you could definitely win a world championship, a British Open, any of these big events. So I guess when you get to that point, you know, you get to a semifinal or a final and you get to a point where, you know, you could actually win it. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. I know, I mean, in my own little squash world, things get kind of nerve wracking uh, at times. So I could imagine uh, this kind of stuff, these experiences oh, yeah. would definitely uh, help pull you through because they are nerve wracking on the squash court. Uh, oh, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, now your season's gotten off to a pretty good start. We'll, we'll start with Nantes. Uh, I mean, there, there's a nerve-wracking experience right there. I mean, I, I, I would not, maybe not nerve-wracking, but extremely uh, electric and exciting. You, you got to the final yeah. there, and you had to play uh, Camille, uh, who uh, obviously had everybody behind her there in, in that palace up there. And uh, I'm just wondering, uh, what was that experience like for you? It must have been absolutely amazing. Yeah, I would have to say Nantes was probably the best atmosphere for a squash tournament I've ever experienced. Um, And that's coming from someone who, like, loves uh, the Tournament of Champions in Grand Central. But it was unbelievable to see the amount of spectators who showed up from the first round. And it wasn't just the the numbers. It was how vocal they were. They just loved Mm squash and it wasn't where they were just all for one person um Mm. they just appreciated squash and they were cheering on for all the players and every single point and you know that's kind of what then you go in and you're excited to play a match and you're excited to battle it out there um because at the end of the day we're almost us players we're entertainers and you know, to be able to put on a spectacular show for the crowd and have this crowd kind of elevate us to perform and give it our all makes for a really great event. And, you know, that's kind of how I felt. Um, It was definitely, the conditions were tough. I mean, matches were very, very late. I think I went on to my semifinal match at 11.15 p.m. Ooh, okay, yeah. Um, which, yeah, which is which is tough. And if you're in an environment where you're not going to have that kind of liveliness and like enthusiasm by the crowd, it could be really tough to get yourself going. But I was so excited to just get out there and perform. And I, I played well, which is great. And even though I didn't go to bed till probably 2.30 in the morning, it's one of those where you're just you're looking forward to getting back out there because that kind of energy gives you is something that you thrive on and so the finals too it was it was unbelievably hot that day and the way the court was set up there it was almost like a like a greenhouse tent where it was the plastic yeah um covering but it was clear plastic so all the heat would radiate in to the court and just get trapped inside the tent so it was like a sauna in there it was unbelievably stifling hot um and then add the like 1100 people that were there watching it was it was beyond hot i think i like 
douse myself in my water bottle, like poured it just over my head just to try and cool myself down. Um, <laughs> and then you're playing someone like me in the hometown and everything, unbelievably fit. Yeah. So it was it was probably one of the toughest matches that I played, and I think we put on a a great match and battled it out there and gave it our all i mean i was pretty much i was very very gassed by the end um in the fourth game i think i was moving so slowly um to the service box in between points just to try and catch my breath i tried to pull the like can we wipe the floors i'm terrible at lying so i feel really bad if i don't (laughs) actually need the floor wiped but (laughs) i tried i think i got denied maybe once right um yeah, that seems I, to be uh, that, that like, seems to be the go-to thing now when uh, when players yeah. are getting a bit gas. Wipe, wipe the floor, please. Like sort yeah, of maybe may exactly. just shake your shirt shirt a little bit and get yeah. or do a fake dive or something, and then. Uh, I know, I know, yeah. um, <laughs> but the crowd loved it. Yeah, and it was one of those where you know it sucks to lose, but you were part of such a great match that you kind of, you have to feel proud. And it definitely gave me confidence knowing that I could battle through something like that mm. um, and endure just some uh, match with that heat and, you know, the crowd against me. I did have like a little cheering section that just kept chanting like USA. Oh, really? Which was awesome. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, there were a few guys from... <laughs> There were a few guys that came from um, Holland, and they were cheering. They were my cheering squad. Oh, cool! Which was awesome. I had no yeah. idea who they were until after the match. Okay, yeah, the the Nantes event is incredible. There's, um, I live in Dubai. I'm Canadian, but living here. Uh, but there's okay. our top player, uh, the one of the top guys from the UAE. He's not playing that much anyway these days. But uh, Adil Makbul, he played there in 2015. And uh, I think it was back before it became quite a big event. But there's this one mm-hmm. clip of him. He hits a winner. It's a really great shot. And the place just goes crazy. And they start chanting his – they had a nickname for him. Whatever <laughs> it was, I forget. But they, they'd made up a nickname for him, this crowd uh, at Nantes. And I'm just wondering, like, what is it – what do you think? What are the organizers doing to bring in – such a an enthusiastic crowd who apparently really don't from what i hear they're they're not actually squash players uh, per se yeah um i know it's interesting you know if we could take that model that mm. the organizers announce and apply that to every single event that would be fantastic because that would just make um squash that much better uh but I would say I think they spent a lot of time and effort in the promotional and marketing side of the event. So every year they have a glass court regardless of what size the tournament is. So I think mm. five years ago when it was 5K, it was they still had a glass court. And every year they get a new venue. So they're selling this experience um instead of kind of just saying oh here's a squash tournament it's like okay well come to it's in the opera um house which is <laughs> last year and then this year it's in this chateau and it's this unbelievable experience so they had a show before every match a little like interpretive dance they had like a dj they had food and they had drinks mm. and so you kind of are showcasing more than just a squash match um, and that it's a whole kind of experience that you want to come and be a part of. Right. So I think that was, they put a lot of um, into their budget for like marketing and making like a spectacular event out of Mm. it instead of just, okay, let's put a glass court somewhere and then, Put on a tournament that's it right so um i mean i think they did a phenomenal job and it by far is my favorite tournament now so um i look <laughs> yeah. forward to coming back i look forward to seeing what they are going to do next year considering like this year was mind-blowing for me right yeah it's a good one to have at the beginning of the year too isn't it because it's something you can sort of look forward to uh during your the that 
end game of your, your training there in the summer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially cause you want to start off the, the season with a good event that gets you excited and get to going for what's going to be a very, very long season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, um, now I'm going to just going forward here a little bit. I know you, you had to pull out of the, I think it was net suite in the quarters, didn't you? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And, uh, if my memory serves, I think I read somewhere it was an adductor uh, issue. Is that right? Yeah, adductor yeah. hamstring. Honestly, yeah. adductors I don't are, really know, are not yeah. good. I, I mean, I'm I'm 50 and yeah. I, I struggle. I, I've I've struggled with those, uh, uh, and uh, it just seems seems to be the most sensitive area for a squash player these days. A lot of people 100%. struggling with them. Yeah, I did it on um, a lunge to the front right on my right leg, and when I landed, it was kind of one of those like landing on the heels and I just felt a little something when mm. I landed and I was like, Oh, that's not great. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and I knew that with us open and world champs coming up, I wanted to make sure that I could get it healthy for those tournaments. So I made the decision to pull out, um, of my quarterfinal match, which would have been on the glass and it was going to be unbelievably cold and, yeah. Um, I didn't want to risk straining it anymore and then being out for longer. So I went back to Boston and got it treated for a few days. I was only in Boston for maybe like four days, five days, um, not even, and then went down to Philly. Fortunately, Philly was where I did my rehab when I got injured with my Achilles. And so I had a, a good, I could just go back to the rehab center and get it and get checked out and worked on. So um, that was helpful. But the day before I was meant to play in the US Open, I was practicing and I went for a lunge and restrained it way worse. Oh, no. So then I was kind of in this predicament of do I play? Do I pull out? I can't lunge on my right leg. Um, I don't know what to do. A lot of people were telling me don't play because it's not worth it if you um you could risk making it worse and being out for longer you could risk injuring something else due to compensation yeah um and so i kind of i wanted to play because i us open is a major event for me and given the fact that it's in the us i wanted to just try and yeah. see and if I had to retire, I would retire. Um, so my first round was started a little rocky. Um, I had to play <laughs> against my best friend on tour, um, Olivia Victor, who we usually room together. So she she knew all about my leg injury. Um, okay. <laughs> and so she was she was exposing it. I think midway through the match, where she would just hit a drop shot in the front right, and I wouldn't even move. Um, right. uh, but somehow you didn't want to make it that easy it. though did you yeah um I don't know how I won that I I just ended up starting lunging on my left leg only I didn't even lunge on my right leg and wow. um managed to win and then somehow made it to the quarters um each day my right leg was my strain was getting a little better but I was not lunging on it at all um, right. everything was on my left leg. And by the time I had to play Camille in the quarters, I was just completely gassed, um, and drained mentally and physically. So that didn't, that match didn't go over well, but yeah. you know, I was, I was glad to make it to the quarters without yeah. doing any further damage. Um, yeah. of course yeah. it's, I wanted to do, I wanted to be able to be healthy enough to perform in the U S open. Um, but I was just glad that I was able to play. So that was US Open and then came back to Boston, had a week before World Champs was again, seeing my physio up here, was trying to get it to heal and it was feeling better, but just with given the short amount of time in between each event, there was never really enough time to properly let it heal and then build back up. So. When I played in the World Champs, my first round match, I restrained it for a third time in the fourth um, game. And by then, I, my head just went. And yeah. I, I couldn't, like, 
couldn't bear the thought of having to go through lunging on one leg and like powering through again and it was more of just like put me out of my misery please <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, i yeah. ended up losing <laughs> yeah and then yeah. i took the next plane home back to back to boston right well yeah it doesn't sound, i mean uh yeah sorry to hear about about the struggles there um, yeah. it doesn't sound you know it, uh, obviously you wanted to play in the u.s open and you must have been happy like you said happy with how far you got into the in into that tournament mm-hmm. so i guess that let's sort of take that away from it because of what happened would have happened after that would have been gravy i guess given the given yeah. the uh I think state it of was your just, leg yeah. it was- it was one too many to try and do that again, um, yeah. especially in a world champs. But is it a hip you know, issue? Uh, I know for me, the, uh, the the adductor said like a hip thing, isn't it? Yeah, it was. So it was. I don't know. It's or a little bit of the hamstring, but it might be because of just so much. Um, you know, still compensating due to my left um, leg being weaker. Um, from my Achilles oh, injury, yeah. so my yeah, right yeah. kind of slowly taken a, a beating over the years, and it just was getting tighter and tighter. And you know, at some point, it's gonna just tweak right. a little bit. But uh, good news is now I have a lot of time, so yeah. I am. Well, the, well, Hong Kong is uh, canceled, right? Hong, so you've yeah, Hong Kong yeah. got canceled, um, and. PSA wasn't able to try and stage a last minute event anywhere. And so I guess the blessing in disguise is that now my next event is tournament of champions in beginning of January. So okay. I have loads of time to rest it and then slowly build back up again. That's so, good. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. uh, I hate the belabor injury stuff, but I mean, you, you've had to battle through injury from a really young age. Uh, apparently you, you had uh, as a, an eighth grader, broke your ankle and uh, shattered your tibia playing a softball. So, uh, and, and then, then obviously in 2010, the, the Achilles, uh, sorry, 2017, the Achilles mm-hmm. injury. Uh, so I guess from a young age, you, you basically learned how to, to deal with uh, these serious injuries and how to overcome and battle back. It, would, would that be a, sort of a good sort of assessment? Of yeah. That? Yeah, you know, I don't really want to be known for getting injured all the time and learning to <laughs> overcome well, them and come back. All athletes get, get injured, though, don't they? I mean, <laughs> no. all, the, all good athletes. Uh, it, it happens to everybody. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, eighth grade, I uh, fractured my tibia playing softball. I ran through a, a base that wasn't packed in properly and so when I stepped on it it collapsed forward and I kind of just completely crushed my my foot when I landed so that wasn't great that was also the end of my softball days my dad said that because you don't run enough in softball uh, (laughs) I got weaker so that's why I fractured my ankle but (laughs) okay so he, he wouldn't let me play softball again even though I enjoyed it but Anywho, um, and then in college, I had my fair share of like um, strains in my adductor and um, in like the ligaments in my ankles a little bit just because college, you know, it's not the same training environment as I was in in high school and you have the stress of academics and and then the social aspect of it. So you're trying to train the same way you did um, in high school. And so I just got a little bit injured um, three out of the four seasons, I must say. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. where I had to take about like, I had to take about like five weeks off in the, um, in the fall. Right. With, yeah, most of the, most of the seasons, but, and then, yeah. And then the big, um, and then in 2016, before I did my Achilles, I partially tore my plantar fascia in my right foot. Oh, yeah. And then a few months later, I busted my Achilles in my left. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I had we're the plantar. Still, we're, still, uh, we're still alive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Plantar fascia. I, I, I dealt with that uh, a few years ago. I've overcome it. But, man, that was painful. Holy moly. Yeah. Every, I think every squash player is 
definitely gone through a bit of plantar fasciitis, whether yeah. it's like on the whatever scale it is, but it's brutal. It is not great. Did you use a golf ball to uh, help uh, alleviate the uh, the pain? Yeah, um, I did a ton of ton of rolling, um, but it was just like you got to get off of it, like non-impact stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, to let it heal. So oh, it's funny when I, whenever I played, I go out and play. It just it wouldn't hurt when I played. I, I couldn't really feel it, and then it was the next morning when I woke up. It was like oh, yeah, geez. it's always in the morning. Um, yeah. I I remember I I got it when we had the world teams in Paris in the end of November, beginning of December. And that, I mean, world teams is, is brutal because you're just playing tough match after tough match every single day. Yeah. Um, especially at the one spot, you're just playing all the top 10 players pretty much. So it's, it is really tough. And the courts we were playing on were quite old. And so midway through the week I started to wake up and my foot would just be unbelievably stiff and like getting out of bed I would just be it would not be feeling great and by the end of the week I woke up and I just remember like walking on the outside of my foot because I just couldn't put any mm. pressure on it yeah yeah that's not good um, that's what I do all the time yeah it's, <laughs> it's not great no. it's not great um <laughs> so I thought that when I went home and rested it it would go away but it didn't and so by the time and then by the time I got it diagnosed it was like over Christmas time with the holidays and trying to schedule an appointment and so it was didn't really have much preparation going into the first couple months of the of 2017 yeah and then when it started to finally feel good and not have that much pain in it and I was finally playing well again in Columbia I did my Achilles so yeah right. it was fun yeah yeah well I hate, I hate to to uh you know to be talking about all that stuff but you're an expert in recovery from it from injury and uh getting back to the top of the game so I mean I think it's great that people can hear Thank it you. from you Thank you know you. <laughs> yeah I've definitely gotten my fair share of messages from people being like I just did my random people that I don't even know. They're like, Oh, I just did my Achilles. Um, I heard you did it. I read, um, coming back, like your story's inspiring, but do you have any tips on it? <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you could write a dissertation now. On how to yeah, make, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, well, let's move on to some, some, you know, brighter highlights uh, in your career. <laughs> um, in, in 2010, you, you achieved, now I know both your, I think it's your father, both your parents play squash, is mm -hmm. that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they, they got you into the game. But in 2010, uh, you won the World uh, Junior Championship. I think maybe the first ever North American to, to achieve. I think Jonathan Power got to the final a couple times, but never actually won it. But uh, that's an amazing feat. And you beat Norel Tayeb uh, in, the, in that final. So was it at that point, I, and maybe I, probably not, but I was just thinking, was it at that point when you thought or when you decided that uh, – you know, squash is something that you could definitely uh, do as a profession. You know, now that having having achieved, uh, you know, that the highest uh, you could you could achieve at your age, at that time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I I was a multi-sport athlete growing up, and squash was kind of one of my last sports that I picked up. I started it at eleven. Tennis was my first sport, but. I just think over the years, um, I started to excel more in squash and I love the nature of the game and the fact that I was able to travel a ton to, to play in tournaments and you meet so many great people and see the world. And so when I won the World Junior Championships in 2010, it was actually on my birthday as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so that was great. And then to be the first American ever to win a world championship title was a great achievement. And so uh, that was kind of the light bulb moment where I was like, hey, I could really do this as a profession and possibly be one of the best in the world one day. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean having you know, played Nora in, in the final there too, uh, uh, beating an Egyptian, I think at that point that's when – 
Egypt was really starting to kind of dominate the, the game of squash. Prior to that, they, they had a few players in the top 10, but at that point and beyond uh, really started to have a stranglehold. So for you to be able to, uh, to win at that level, I mean, that must have really, not only for you, but for your family, given them the, the impetus to say, okay, let's go uh, with this one. Let's go with this sport. yeah um and i think it also was great the fact that it put kind of u.s squash on the map Mm. because it was never really you never really had any u.s players um excelling on the pro tour or um winning in juniors and so it was kind of olivia blatchford won a british junior open title at on the under 15s and then you have you had Natalie Granger, who played for the U.S. Um, for a few years, but she wasn't a U.S.-born player. Um, and then for the guys, Julian Illingworth was the highest ranked. So yeah. it kind of – it was more just – it was awesome to be the first American ever. Um, and I know that I have – my father's Egyptian, but um, – it's more it's more special to be the first in your country than to be one of just a bunch of amazing egyptian players um, <laughs> right right yeah. yeah yeah so it was it was great to just kind of kickstart squat putting like u.s squash on the map especially on the female side and mm. i mean now look yeah you know, definitely i mean 10 years later i have like seven u.s females who are doing fantastic on tour and you guys i mean you did incredibly well at the the pan am games not only the the women but 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 the men as well and i think it's bled over uh bled up into the that big country to the north uh we've got three or four four girls uh, doing quite well uh, ourselves so uh it, it bodes well i think uh, going forward uh i think it's what perhaps with a lot of, uh, you know, such good uh, coaching. And then obviously in the U.S., a lot more uh, money being invested in the game. It's mm-hmm. helping out a bit. Yeah. So it's great. And also, you know, it, it's good to have other countries to do well on tour too. Um, yeah, because oh, there's for only, sure. There's only so many tournaments <laughs> the Egyptians can win. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we're we got to work extra hard just to give uh give ourselves a chance to try and and do well too. Definitely. Now, uh, now, along with your playing, uh, you're also coaching. Uh, and now you had an illustrious uh, uh, collegiate career, and, and uh, you know, I'd love to go into that, but I've got to pick and choose my my spots here. Uh, but uh, your, your assistant coach to Thierry uh, Linku uh, at MIT, and he's also I think he coaches you. Uh, a fair bit as well so uh, you must have great memories of your collegiate uh, career and that must have sort of given you uh, sort of the scope maybe to get to to coach a bit at that level as well so how have you been enjoying it uh, as an assistant coach there and in particular working with such a a great guy and and, uh, world champion like uh, like Terry uh, as the head coach yeah I love it it's been fantastic to just kind of be on the other side of the glass um it's james zook's uh, podcast isn't it the other side of the glass or (laughs) something like that i think it's outside the glass outside the glass okay same yeah okay yeah but (laughs) the other side um, yeah yeah Yeah. it's so i'm the assistant for the mit just has a men's squash team and I, I am in my third season with them. I started in 2017 when I was coming back from my injury and Thierry's assistant left and he was kind of scrambling to find an assistant. Couldn't really find one. Um, and he was like, Amanda, like, I need you. He was like, it'd be perfect. You're coming back from your injury. Like, we know, I, we know that you're a professional. So when you have to go play your tournaments, you can go play your tournaments when you need to. And then when you're here, you're here. Um, And so I was like, oh, my God, like, fine. I will do it because you're desperate. (laughs) But I'm only doing it for one season, so, like, find somebody else um, for next season. And he was like, this is going to be perfect. It will be great. 
I ended up loving it so much and I got way too invested um, and attached to the guys on the team. And so I ended up staying on. And so now I'm in my third season and it's, and each season's just getting better and better. I think that um, becoming more of more integrated with the role of an assistant coach um, and it's not just, and seeing what I need to assistant coaches need to do, not just, um, coaching in matches, but also in the recruiting side and a lot of that admin and, you know, the alumni and all of that. And so it, it has, I think it's, it's great to kind of do something in addition to just playing on the tour. Mm. Um, and I love kind of, even though it's unbelievably nerve wracking, um, having to just watch yeah the matches oh my god it's so much more nerve-wracking than playing yeah, yeah. i yeah. i just kind of stand there and i i feel like the the duck that's like really calm above the surface of the water but underneath is just like pedaling like mad and like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just unbelievably stressed out and so you know it, it's it's been a lot of fun as a coach to kind of find ways to connect with all the players because each player is different and so in between games, you have 90 seconds to kind of get through to them in the best way possible to help them win. And so it's been interesting to get to know the guys on the team and, and really be there in coaching and, and help them to succeed. I mean, last season was phenomenal. We won the, um, we won our division in nationals. It was the C division, but you know, it's MIT we're not necessarily a sports school we're going up against like Williams Middlebury Brown and so to mm. be able to beat those teams and win a national title um, is unbelievable and you know that feeling of winning a national title um, brought back so many memories when I was in college and oh, yeah. winning with uh, the Harvard team and just having that and just knowing that all the hard work has paid off and and getting those big wins from the individual members on um, on the team is just phenomenal. So I was, I was so proud. I'm like the team mom there. Cause it's just me and all the guys. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that how they do? They look up to you in that way. Uh... Uh, <laughs> kind of, I mean, Cause I'm, I'm the organized one. Terry is very laid back. Um, <laughs> right, right. So I, I'm the one well, that, that that's why he was like, so desperate. He, he knew he needed yeah. someone to. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's great. And like Terry's been my coach since 2013. And so we get along great and it's a, it's a fantastic dynamic and he's awesome to just be around with. And it's, it's a ton of fun. And so I, I love it and I'm really looking forward to this season with the guys. So it's a ton of fun. That's, that's great. What's it been like uh, working with Thierry? I mean, he's obviously had a huge uh, uh, impact on your game uh, since you started working with him. And then prior to that, I guess would have been uh, when you were in, at Harvard, you would have had the opportunity to work a bit with uh, Mike way. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I started working with Thierry my junior year at Harvard. He came over from France to coach an individual family and was contracted, I think, for three years. And after the first year, the girl that he was coaching quit squash. So he was still under contract and in Boston. And so I was looking to have some additional training only because I felt that, um, I needed more in addition to the college team training. And so I asked Thierry if I could start working with him a few day, a couple days in the morning and loved working with him. He, he said, yes, like it was fine. And just loved our sessions together. He's very movement based, which is kind of my weakness. He had great Um, movement. Pow- powerful oh, yeah. movement. He, yeah. he still has great movement. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and so yeah. the things that he was, the things he excelled in and were strengths on tour were things that I really needed to add to my game. We were both um, explosive and powerful players, but 
his movement is one of the best mm. in my opinion. And so for to just gain that knowledge and to learn from him really helped my game a ton. And, you know, we've been where now, so it's almost six years now and every session, like we're always learning something new. And I think that's really hard to find in a coach. It become it can get pretty easy to, just go through the motions and have the training sessions be a bit mundane and um, redundant. But with Thierry, it's always, we're learning. I always feel like I'm learning something and we're adding to my game and we're working on my strengths or my weaknesses and developing to make myself a a complete player. So I, that's why I I love working with him. And when I graduated, I knew I wanted to stay working with him because I felt like there was so much, knowledge I could gain from him um so yeah so I decided to stay in Boston and been here ever since brilliant he was so good uh so strong on the tee and and off the volley as well and I think that's something that I've noticed uh you've you've uh I don't know if you've improved or that aspect of your game but that's something that you that you do quite well hold the volley and then play short or deep uh and that that could be a linku uh, um, element to your game that you've added recently. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think naturally I was a volleyer, um, especially because I started with tennis and I was a I was a big volleyer in tennis. But for him to kind of take that raw like innate talent of mine and then build it up and really refine it and add all these tools um, to my tool book toolbox makes it just that much more makes me that much more of a player so really happy to work with him and then it's been it's been so much fun that's brilliant well uh, Amanda now I won't keep you too much longer I know you've uh, you've been great with your time uh, what do you have going on between now and uh, I guess New Year's you're going to be uh, recovering obviously a little bit but um, is there any any squash uh, aside from from training or any league there's no that's the thing there's no league really in uh, in North America is there they need to address that I know I know that's something I definitely want to go into um, post-career Uh, because I think that's a massive, massive hole in the market. Yeah, there's um, a lot. Of, I, I mean, I've talked to uh, Martin that's, that's Heath that's about it. That's another conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna take, that. That's a long. That that that's a deep. That's a difficult one to start to just kind of yes. initiate. Yes. Oh, one hundred percent. Um, and it's I could go on and on about that, but you know, it's something that I've I've noticed, and we could really use that in the U.S. Um, and if we could make it happen. It would be, it could be hugely successful. There's no shortage of players. That's for sure. Oh, hundred percent. And there's only going to be more players coming over, but um, from now until TOC, which is January 10th, I'm, I'll be training. The MIT season has started. So we'll have, um, we have a few matches. Um, I am playing. My sister and I have launched our, Oh yeah, so we showdown exit yeah. tour. Yeah, mm-hmm. so now that she's um, full time on the pro tour, we're going to try and market the Sobe brand, and mm-hmm. you know well, she's got game too. The, she's got good, very good. Game. Oh yeah. yeah, and who doesn't want to see the Sobe sisters duke it out on court? Um, there you go. So what? we actually have our first exhibition um, on November fifteenth at the Lifetime in Harrison. Um, New York, so we're very very excited for that, Um, that should be excited and hopefully we can get. Are there any tickets left? I don't know, possibly, Um, I'd have to check with the club, I'm sure there are, but hopefully we'll put on a a great event and after that um, I'm going to go to England for a couple weeks uh, to train and see um, one of my physios over there. So it, it will be good just to have this time to properly train, especially because the summer I didn't really get the kind of eight, nine week training block that other players did only because we had the Pan American games end of July. So it was kind of cut in half a little bit, mm. um, which 
which is tough because, you know, my season pretty much started end of July and instead of September. So it's nice to now have a proper like 10 week block. So even though it, it kind of is unfortunate that Hong Kong got canceled and we didn't have an, mm. a, we don't have an event in December. I'm, I'm not too bothered. I, I could yeah. definitely use this uh, nine, 10 weeks to prepare for the second half of the season. Cause the second half of the season is going to be very aggressive with tournaments. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Well, uh, I want to wish you all the best uh, with your recovery and I hope that continues to go well. Good luck with the remainder of the season, Amanda. And it was really, really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on there. Well, that was awesome. Uh, really enjoyed chatting with Amanda. I mean, who wouldn't? Uh, she's just a fantastic personality. Uh, really great chatting with her and uh, want to wish her all the best with this little bit of time off now that she has until uh, the new year, basically. And uh, hopefully she can uh, overcome the, uh, the injury to her adductor within that time and, and be ready to hit the ground running when she starts playing again. So thanks uh, so much to Amanda uh, for joining me today on 112. 113, uh, hopefully uh, within this week, uh, Danny Lee and I are going to finally uh, uh, get it done. Uh, we had a few scheduling issues over the last little while. Both him and I uh, uh, had some scheduling issues, but uh, we're going to get it done this week. So really looking forward to uh, talking to him, the Channel Bass uh, Tournament Director, uh, Chairman, I guess, and uh, he's been involved in squash uh, at many levels uh, throughout uh, the years. He's got the PSL team that he, I think he manages or some, in some way we'll find out uh, part of that. Uh, he has a, he's quite a musician, I gather, as well. I've never spoken to him, but uh, uh, follow him a little bit on, online on his social media. So. Uh, Looking forward to having him on the podcast this week and uh, get some other episodes uh, hopefully lined, uh, lined up over the next little while as well. So uh, again, everyone, uh, like I always like to say before uh, signing off, thanks so much for listening and uh, please do share this within your own uh, squash community. Really appreciate it. Take care, enjoy your squash and uh, talk to you soon. Danny Lee uh, later on this week. Take care. Goodbye now.